Hey there, just a quick reminder, we have a mentorship program if you're looking for personalized coaching and mentorship to help guide you to the next level of your interior design business, whatever that might look like for you, whether it's processes and procedures or what services to offer to how to incorporate wellness, intention, or spirituality into your projects, come join us over at designcoven.com forward slash join. Or if you're just in search to connect with other like-minded interior designers, you can join our free community also located at designcoven.com forward slash joy. Hey there, just a quick reminder, we have a mentorship program if you're looking for personalized coaching and mentorship to help guide you to the next level of your interior design business, whatever that might look like for you, whether it's processes and procedures or what services to offer to how to incorporate wellness, intention, or spirituality into your projects, come join us over at designcoven.com forward slash join. Or if you're just in search to connect with other like-minded interior designers, you can join our free community also located at designcoven.com forward slash joy. You're listening to the Holistic Interior Design Business Podcast. This is a podcast that guides you as a new or inspiring independent interior designer navigating your entrepreneurial path. Here with my over 20 years experience, I will share my holistic approach to design with intention and ancient practices, including feng shui, all incorporating mind, body, and spirit into my design projects. You will also learn from seasoned interior designers as they give strategies and insight of how they built their businesses and continue to work in the field. Together, we will discover supportive trade partners, new ideas, creatives, and inspiring artists from around the world. I'm your host, Rachel Lorraine Crawford. Hello, and welcome back to the Holistic Interior Design Business Podcast. I'm super excited to have Sophia on with us, I'm an expert in toxin exposure into our homes and just being an educator. She's also a podcast host, so um, you can dive in deeper, but I really wanted to introduce Sophia to all of you because I know many of you are just coming into this world of holistic interior design and and are starting to understand um, our environments and the impacts they have and and Sophia is the expert in this space. So welcome Sophia. I'm super excited to have you today. Thank you for having me. Of course. I'm going to open up our space by lighting a candle, getting us into the present moment. And then I have crystal cards that will pull a card uh, with a crystal affirmation intention see what we might need to know so i'd like to just open up the space by being intentional mindful lighting that candle same thing when i'm working for the day try to light a candle or just create a uh, an affirmation or a intention for the day so i'm gonna pull a card we've got sunstone i keep pulling this card it's so funny i this was the card that was sitting up on top i think i pulled this in the last episode um it's the sacral chakra so we've got creativity um the affirmation is i shine from inside out and i'm full of joy so this is really that beautiful sun energy that we're connecting with here and the sun of course is also a, a detox um element for us so definitely in alignment with what we're doing so lovely 
Yeah, I love it. So Sophia, I always start our episodes with um, home. Can you share with us a little bit about what home is to you at the moment? It could be your physical home, the idea of home. I just love, you know, home in general. So nice to get a little perspective from our guests. I love this question. It's something I've only thought more about in recent years. And I just want to share that before I became a mom, I thought of home as just where I slept and didn't really think much more about it. And then after having, I think, through three pregnancies, I started to realize that my body is the first home of my children. And the barrier between my inner environment and the outer one being the next home would be my real estate home. But the and the health of my inner environment is influenced by my outer environment. And, and so I now think of home as not just where I live, but also my body. Mm. And even our planet is our collective home. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that you've come here and then you've gone macro with the planet, Mother Earth. It's, it's our home for, for all of us. Amazing. Can you share with us a little bit about how, like your origin story and how you came into this world? I, I love learning about how people kind of have these aha moments or these awakenings, uh, awareness to our environments. Can you share a bit about how that happened for you? I was always a very health conscious person. Ever since I was in third, fourth grade, I remember going through women's magazines like Glamour, Vogue, <laughs> cosmopolitan and being especially delighted when I read an article like a blurb next to a picture of like blueberries or or um, citrus and just and reading how nutrients in the food could serve my body Mm. it brought a unique delight to me at the same time I grew up in a tennis playing family a tennis loving My parents loved it. I hated it until recently, (laughs) but I was always very athletic and I loved exercise. So a regular part of my evening routine in high school and middle school too was exercising more like Jane Fonda videos after tennis practice. I just love the endorphin highs. And so I was regarded as the healthiest person around because I was always exercising and I cared a lot about what I ate. And I ate as healthy as I knew how to, but we went through stages, we collectively, of when I was in high school, we thought um, low fat, high carb was the way to go. And I often felt really bad energy. And I felt very volatile energy. It would suddenly plummet and I'd feel shaky, like I had absolutely no control over my body and then would get obsessed about what do I eat to stabilize my energy? And I just felt like something was wrong with me. But what, you know, whenever I visited the doctor, all the test results came at, you know, concluded I was very healthy. And so it was interesting to me that I was always health conscious, but I never considered our toxic exposures. And even when it did come up sometimes, it rarely ever did. 
the one time I remember it happening, I wrote about it in my book, A to C of Detoxing. My mother, I was maybe 12 years old. Okay. I'm in the kitchen with my mother and my eight-year-old brother who's propped up on the counter, kitchen countertop. I open the cupboards to get a glass of water and I see these new plastic cups with color designed on them. And I was so happy. I said, oh my God, you got new cups. That's, they're so fun. Yeah. And I grabbed it, filled it up with water, was about to drink from it. And my mom panics and says, don't drink from it. I haven't washed it. And I said, so what? What's the big deal? She said, there are chemicals still in there. And I just rolled my eyes thinking, you're so paranoid. Right, and that right. was my attitude towards chemicals and things like our household items. And when I was 34 years old, I was lucky enough to become a mom. And it wasn't until I had an infant and I felt her biological fragility that I then cared about the toxic exposures in a different way. And it's not like I was ever looking for this information, but yeah. because I was 34 and felt very far removed from how to take care of an infant, I would read all every night about what I thought I should know to help my daughter's next day. You know, what her sleep schedule should be like, developmentally, what we should be doing, how her diet should be. And it was in this nightly routine of reviewing thoughtfully selected reading material that I started accidentally learning about toxic exposures and household items. And the very first aha moment was when I was reading a book by a pediatrician and it said something about endocrine disrupting chemicals in baby bottles and carcinogens in baby bottle nipples. Oh my gosh. And with a daughter who is like seven days old, this was especially alarming. And I, my reaction was, this cannot be true. Because if this were true, my doctors would have alerted me to this. The maternity ward would have said something, but I couldn't ignore it. So I went to the internet to try and find out, are there credible sources that back up this claim? Because I couldn't ignore it either. And I would usually learn about something upsetting like that at around midnight or 1 a.m. Yes. I worked full time outside the home and I needed to pump before going to bed. And I would research till like two, three in the morning and conclude, I want to make a, an alternative choice. There's enough out there where I am alarmed and I want to not like use products that most people use. And then I would be up on Amazon trying to figure out what to buy instead till four or five in the morning. Yeah. This ended up going on for eight years oh. because it's so pervasive. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. And I hated learning the way I did, which was like not on a controlled. It's not like I had a, I wish someone just gave me a syllabus and said, right? this <laughs> is the overview of what you can learn. So you decide how you want to space it out. Yeah. I always learned by accident, always right before I was supposed to go to sleep. I sacrificed, it was my, night job wow. and after a while I realized I I mean didn't take long to appreciate yeah. the village it takes to raise a family wow. I needed everyone on the same page 
and and a book was the easiest way to get my village of caregivers to be on the same page and understand my value system. But the book ended up being almost 500 pages because I cited the science throughout and nobody, I bet nobody's read the book. <laughs> my parents, my husband read an early draft, but yeah, sure. <laughs> like, just tell them what to do. Yeah, but because I, um, you know, they just want to be told what to do. And I never wanted to research this the way I did, but I used to be in distressed investing. That's my background. Okay. And uh, how that's relevant is a normal part of my job was getting a disaster of a situation on my desk, learning that there, you know, that, you know, there's imperfect information. It's a disaster what is the value creation opportunity? So I had to identify good information from bad information and then come up with a value creation plan and execute it. And I loved what I did. I, I just naturally found myself applying those skill sets towards this area, which it's never been better covered in, you know, online and in reports. But back then, like 2007 is when my da first daughter was born. I, the information was very s spread out and it was just hard to know. I always just want to know what's a rational level of concern. Yeah. I don't need to be perfect. I just want to be mindful and high impact about what I buy, own and do. The simple things I can control. And after learning so much, it felt like a, you know, it felt like a calling. Um, I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't learn all this just right. for my family to benefit. Like right. I should be sharing it with those who want to know. For those who want to know, it shouldn't be as hard as it was for me. So okay. I, since um, the book came out in 2015, I've been continuing to spread public awareness and empower others with simple, practical things they can do. And my ulterior motive is that as people feel lean in and feel like this isn't so scary. It doesn't have to be scary. I'm not going to learn I'm dying of cancer because our bodies are really resilient and we just want to unburden what we can unburden because our bodies are brilliantly designed to do so many great things. It's just since World War II, there have been over 86,000 chemicals introduced into just American commerce. Oh and that's God. just chemicals, never mind the radiation from the iPhone being invented in 2007. But I just want people to be aware of so many things that are unconscious. And with more awareness, it's so easy to make a healthier choice. Absolutely. And then I'm just thinking about like what a perfect person to take this on just with your background and coming into this. I mean, it seems like, you know, you are really again you know with your calling to to share the information and to dive deep and to do a lot of this research that many of us don't know and, and there's so many you know new parents that want to know more and they just don't know where to start so I think you having this book is a beautiful way to engage can you share maybe a few of those insights of you know what we could be doing now that maybe isn't as overwhelming like some some easy steps to start 
moving into the right direction or what we should be looking out for. Kind of like give us a little, you know, intro into what we can do to, to be aware. Well, I talked about this in our workshop, but in A to C of detoxing, I identified some common denominators among the, the hundreds of household items that I've studied. And one very enlightening household product that I learned so much from was um, is a mattress, a conventional mattress. Because as you start to dissect what makes up a mattress, you then will can better appreciate so many other items in your home. And so I'll just take plastic as an example, because in, for many conventional mattresses, it's the mattress is wrapped in some kind of vinyl or especially baby mattresses, but vinyl often is a component and it is considered one of the most toxic materials around, but I think in recent years, manufacturers have been able to create safer types of vinyl, but getting to know plastics is really worthwhile. And we really could just focus on that for the rest of our life. And it would be very high impact because there are all sorts of chemicals that go into creating the various forms of plastic from super soft, like plastic wrap around your cheese to really hard, like really sturdy pipes for water distribution or sewage distribution and everything in between. There's so many things in our homes that are versions of plastic, including dental floss and toothbrushes. There are microbeads, little tiny, tiny particles of plastic in things like our cleansers and body wash. It's in our toothpaste. And so getting plastic is a great example of where if you can just pick one household repeat offender to get to know over the course of a year, yeah. it really simplifies so much of what to focus on. And you'll constantly be discovering things in your life that you can swap out for something healthier. Uh, so it's the idea to basically eliminate so, plastic. To uh, do the love test, which is once you're aware, oh, this is made of plastic and I don't really know how safe it is. And you can look up um, the number on the plastic to see, is it the most toxic one? Like three is one of the most toxic ones. It represents vinyl. There are safer ones, but we don't really know. Like if you really dig into scientific studies, you'll appreciate it's it's really hard to know. So I just think plastics are high risk okay. and sometimes it's worth it. But when you don't love it or need it, then swap it out or get rid of it. Most of us have more than we need or want. Yes. So absolutely. it's a different lens through which to declutter your home and your life. Okay. And so just like applying that idea to your diet is very high impact. So let's zone in on the kitchen and we'll just focus on the things that touch your food and drinks. Mm -hmm. So whatever contains your food and drinks, rather than use plastic, you can have stainless steel containers, which are really light and 
Um, you don't have to worry about them breaking, so that's great for children to bring snacks and lunches to school and also for water bottles. But there are also some really great glass option. Great. The kind of glass I like is, I'm not sure how to say it, it's like borosilicate. It's B-O-R-S-C-I-L-L-A-T-E, I believe. Okay. And because um, not all glass is the same either. Not all stainless steel is the same. But generally speaking, those are the most non-toxic options around. And what I like about certain glass containers is that they're multi-purpose. They are safe enough to be put in the freezer. They're safe enough to be put in the microwave, dishwasher, oven. So then you can have less clutter in your kitchen. Got it. Got it. And with the plastic, is it just that they're off-gassing these chemicals into the food? Is that what's causing? Yeah. Well, the chemicals that make up a lot of our household products don't stay in them. Some do and some don't. And so studies have found that there are many items that will off-gas from like the glues, the paints, yeah. sealants, um, even just the plastic itself, even through normal wear and tear, chemicals will leach from the plastic. And things that facilitate leaching are scratches in the plastic, okay. heat. So if it's in the dishwasher, it's more likely to facilitate leaching of the chemicals, which then later will like enter your food or drinks. And then also don't put plastics in the microwave. Right. If you're gonna use a microwave, put things in a microwave safe glass container. Okay, perfect, awesome. And so a lot of people don't realize that indoor air tends to be at least two to five times more polluted than outdoor air, even in the most industrialized cities. And that's because so many things in our home off gas. Got it. Okay. So to eliminate that, are we opening up windows, doors, allowing for air ventilation or? Yeah, all of the above. And so that's why that helps me try and be more conservative about what I buy mm -hmm. and declutter more. It's just hard when you it's completely worthwhile to have a family, but you can't control other people. Um, and so that's always a challenge. And then the other great things you can do, which you mentioned are when outdoor air quality is better than indoor air quality, crack open your windows to allow the toxic fumes to escape. Mm -hmm. You wanna be mindful of if, when outdoor air might be uh, not, healthier is when it's allergy season, if there's uh, the pollution is bad or there are pesticides being sprayed, um, or if it was raining and there are a lot of mosquitoes, you want to be mindful of that. Um, but definitely fresh air exchange, ventilate whenever there is combustion activity. So combustion activities include when you're cooking on a stovetop, okay. just turn on the ventilation above burning candles, a fire in the fireplace. Uh, hopefully no one's smoking in the home, but that's also another type of type of combustion activity, burning incense. Just be aware that whenever you're burning anything, most likely it's releasing 
gases and compounds that are better for you to not inhale. Got so it. if you can ventilate, that would be better. Got it. And then an air purifier is worth investing in. But again, waste, you want to be mindful and make sure you're getting one that is designed for the square footage. Okay. That is going to be detoxing. Um, and maybe think about once the things are trapped in the air purifier, is there technology to disinfect the growth of microbes? Got it. Oh, there's so much here. And you had mentioned a little bit earlier just about EMFs. Can you maybe share a little bit on what we can do to detox some of those EMFs? I know, you know, with us having phones and technology, we need them, but what can we do to maybe eliminate some of that from, from getting to us? I think I feel so passionate about talking about EMFs because from my perspective, there's so many easy things people can do without having to give up their technology. Yeah. It's just since 2007, since the iPhone was introduced to us, so think about all the other inventions that have been created to work with the iPhone. Yeah. They're now wireless speakers and appliances, toilets, and of course the wireless keyboard and mouse and, um, and different screens and toys. I mean, it's really endless. And so because no one's really thought about the wireless emissions from those devices, we're just unconsciously inadvertently creating a denser sea of radiation waves yeah. I recently recorded a podcast with Daniel Debon, who is, um, he was a telecom engineer for 30 years. And he studied these EMFs to make sure they didn't interfere with tech, with equipment, technology communicating with each other. Well, and later after he became a father, started to think about how it was affecting human biology. And so he focuses on helping us protect ourselves from that now. But he described the different waves of radiation, like 5G, 4G, 3G, 2G, Bluetooth, cellular. They're all different kinds of radiation, different characteristics. He described them as like sledgehammers, like pecking at your membranes. Wow which I, it's, it's helpful. And I actually yeah. talk to my kids about that now. Like, so are the sledgehammers on your cell phone pecking at your ovaries though? <laughs> you know, because I, um, you know, it's ideal if we were on none of these exposures, that's completely unrealistic. So the goal is to reduce your exposures when you don't mind, when you won't miss them. So one key chunk of time is when you're sleeping. Most people, will not miss being wire go like disabling the wireless when they're asleep. So ideally you you have a technology home and bedtime and the technology home can be a charging station. Try and have it be as far from the sleep areas as possible because the radiation dissipates, it weakens with distance. Right. And so we have ours in our, by our kitchen. Yeah. And no one is, my family's not perfect about it. I talk about it all the time, but I don't go around to make sure my children actually are putting everything away. But I do the best I can. 
and I keep having the conversation. So hopefully they're mindful of this when they're in college and beyond. But, um, but so uh, giving technology a home and a bedtime is great. And then it, where you sleep, um, chances are people are still gonna have technology in their bedroom. And if you could just talk about disabling Wi-Fi, cellular, and Bluetooth with airplane mode, then that's, that's a good step to okay. just silence, put down the sledgehammers. And if they, something needs to be on, because maybe you don't have a landline and you need to be available because maybe you have a, young, a teenage child out or a parent who might need to reach you in the middle of the night, just keep your phone as far away from your bed as possible, like on a dresser right. um, on the other side of the room, because again, the the radiation weakens with distance. So those are some simple ways. Ideally, you turn everything off and it's not even in your room, but I, I still can't do that. Yeah. So those are just different steps that people can take. Do you know of any like um, technology or, you know, there's always like these blocker, EMF blockers. Do you know of any that are actually good or that actually that work? There's so many. I in every podcast interview with engineers or scientists, I, I've asked them, I've asked many of them, all of them say none of those blockers work. Right. And the thing is, even if some things could help, it's actually, it's very complex to make sure that you're better off. So if you're going to invest in shielding parts of your space and in your home, I've done that in my apartment in New York City. But what's complicated is the cell towers outside my apartment change over time. Even, even if they're, the same, they're located on the same rooftops, yeah. they'll be tilted to orient differently. So some, at some point when your home is measured, maybe yeah. they're, they're not aimed, they're aimed up above, but then uh, later they can be rotated to beam right into your room. And if your walls are painted with special shielding paint, then the radiation can like bounce off the walls and create more chaos for your biology. So it's, I've come to feel like the shielding products are highly complex. It's really hard to know if you're safer or at more risk and you don't want a false sense of security. I don't want a false sense of security. Um, I've done a number of things and then later regretted it. Yeah. Gotcha. And then for, for these designers, I know we had our workshop and for those of you that are in the design cabin, you have access to the workshop. If you went with us live, um, through our secret podcast and through, um, the portal where you can watch the workshop as well. When we're educating our clients, I guess we just start with, you know, what you're talking about here with plastics and, and the EMFs. And um, I always try to keep, you know, TVs out of bedrooms anyway, just for me, you know, having that yang energy just kind of surrounding and moving. And even when it's plugged in and it's off, it's still radiating that energy and it's affecting your sleep. 
Um, same thing with phones, you know, trying to put those away. So I guess really it's just about educating our clients, getting them aware. And you'll probably be really surprised that your clients, especially those that are very analytical, will start kind of going down those rabbit holes and they may be teaching you some things as well. But, you know, we have such access to, um, to people and to creating safe, healthy homes that I think just having this awareness and even gifting this book um, to a new client might be a good way to start. Can you, um, Sophia, maybe share with us a little bit about the book itself? And I loved the slides that you showed us and the, um, the inserts, cause it was just, it was a really pretty book anyway. And, and to have that on your coffee table book and you explained, you know, how you wanted this to be big and not just something that you're putting away, but to have people kind of go through it while they're hanging out, uh, maybe share a little bit about the structure of it and, and what we can expect. Uh, when we do get the book and, and how that can help. I, I know it, I always knew it sounded crazy, but I wanted it to be a coffee table book because I feel like it's full of so much really important information that the public should know, but it's so scary and it feels so overwhelming that a lot of people really rather not know. And I wanted the book designed to be uh, pretty enough that you didn't feel like, oh, I need to put this away, I can't leave it out. And it's really such a great conversation piece, but it was designed to be easy to skim so that for the rare person who wants to read it front to back cover, you are more than welcome to do it. And it's laid out in a very logical way. I actually was very, this sounds funny, but I was inspired by all the legal documents that <laughs> I've read in my career uh, just to be super efficient. I want it to be super, again, easy to skim, but also do the topic justice and be very responsible about what I was saying and how I was saying things. So there are four main parts. The first part is the overview that I wish I knew sooner about our toxic exposures and how it's relevant to the average consumer. And then again, being inspired by studying hundreds of household items, yeah. I realized I can't shop with a list of chemicals to avoid because there are just gonna be hundreds of pages and that's not effective. And plus substitute chemicals are not necessarily safer. So I found strategies, common denominators. And so part two details some common denominators so that the reader develops an intuitive understanding of the sources of toxic exposures within our consumer products. So that even with all the greenwashing and how challenging it is to really know what you're buying, this right. information empowers you to more quickly ask the right questions to sift out what is high risk and narrow down your options to what's a safer bet and and learn what are the most non-toxic materials available to us. And then other uh, parts that are broken up by consumer products, organized by cleaning products, personal care products, things in the kitchen, interior design, children's stuff, so that you're seeing how these household repeat offenders show up in those categories. I really wanted at the end for a reader 
to feel like they had a very intuitive understanding because we need wise intuition to right. be conscious consumers because it's so complicated. Yeah, for sure. Um, and you know, you just mentioned cleaning products. Do you recommend people make their own cleaning products without these chemicals? We didn't really go into that. And are there examples of things that you can do in the book? Yes, the most non-toxic approach is a do-it-yourself cleaning approach with vinegar, baking soda, Castile soap. Um, if you feel comfortable integrating essential oils because that's safe for those you live with, mm -hmm. then that can offer aromatherapy and so many healing benefits. And also steam cleaning is also wonderful. Cleaning a conventional way with products for the toilet bowl, uh, the bathtub, the kitchen sink. Going from that to a do-it-yourself cleaning yeah. approach is a very drastic change. So I also help people at my Detox Academy transition and support the transition in a way where you don't feel like you're failing or you're doing a bad job. and overwhelmed emotionally by having learned about the toxic exposures because I really want people to focus on their lifetime exposure mm -hmm. and not feel so overwhelmed in the short term that they just give up and think I can't do it. Just what, you know, the small changes you can make over time will lead to a lifetime of reduced exposures. Amazing. I love that. And can you share a bit about your Detox Academy? I don't know much about it. And I I'm sure that many people would love to dive deeper with you on that. I'd be happy to. It's really what I always wanted instead of A to Z of detoxing, because okay. I've never been a reader. <laughs> I've never <laughs> been a reader. I don't want to read a book. Um, I really just wanted a more informed mom to tell me what I should know, what yeah. I should buy, in as little time as possible. And I wanted it internet-based because I was learning this stuff sometime between midnight and 4 a.m. And so I, Detox Academy is what I always wish I needed. It's an online detox universe. Okay. There are 10 pillars that represent major areas of most people's lifestyles, like cleaning is a pillar, self-care, technology, the kitchen, interior design, and and even just mindset. And so you the idea is you can enter and just go to whichever pillar resonates with you right now. A okay. lot of people just getting started. Cleaning is is a great start and that's where they're comfortable. Where self-care can be more complicated because sometimes we have emotional attachments to like our lipstick or our hairspray or our perfume. And my message is hold on to what you love. There are so many other things you can detox. And at some point, you'll be ready to swap out what you love with something else you love that's less toxic. But I don't want anyone to feel like, no, I don't want to give up things I love so I can't learn more. I don't want to learn more. I don't want people to feel threatened. I want them to see, come look at all these things you can do. What's one thing you don't mind changing? I'm just always creating things to make my lifestyle easier. Yeah. And I just make that available in the Detox Academy. 
Got it. And then with this academy, is this a self-paced thing? Do you guys meet live monthly or what's the structure? It's being reimagined. I used to show up live weekly, but I've become a lot busier. So we are reimagining it. We're uh, right now it's $25 a month through the end of um, till November 1st. And then okay. we're going to close enrollment as we refigure out my schedule and what we can do. There's also something separate, which is a 40 day home detox, which is where we meet for uh, every 10 days. And it's designed to try and get you to see things and and um, align with your senses in the way I do to detox more with your senses and informed intuition. Because many times our bodies are communicating to us. They're telling us, I wanna throw up in this space because there are toxic fumes. Or I'm feeling um, like I will feel a pressure in my chest when I'm around EMS. Actually, this program doesn't deal with EMS, but um, it's meant to help you realize the many symptoms that have been associated with multiple chemical sensitivity so that you can more intuitively uh, recognize when your body's telling you you're around something not good for you and help you more easily become a conscious consumer. Got it, that's amazing. And with that program, is that on a set schedule where you have open and close or is that an ongoing program? For now, it's um, it'll start on a certain day right. and uh, there's a cohort option. There's also a private option, but, um, and there's daily guidance from me. And cause I really wanna change your mindset too, just to make this lifestyle so much easier and share more about why it's become a mindfulness practice. Yeah. And so even though the topic with the knowledge can be so overwhelming and jarring, this lifestyle is really mindfulness in real life. I mean, it's mindful living, it's soothing, it's grounding, it's reconnected me to nature in so many ways. And then there's this gorgeous binder of workbooks that you customize as you go through it, which becomes your Bible for practical non-toxic living. And it ends with master classes with experts who help you after 30 days of detoxing and learning what you should avoid. Yeah. It ends with experts helping you learn how to actually enjoy your new life. So we have an amazing nutritionist who talks about the key products she stocks her kitchen with and how she cooks as a busy entrepreneur. And um, we have, you know, some other great experts. We have a great interior designer who has been using non-toxic products for years and has had clients with autism, uh, children with autism spectrum disorder. So we talk more about interior design, it being non-toxic and creating a healing space because our homes can be a healing space and there's lots of evidence on what makes a healing space. So there's so many really wonderful, um, it's just so rich with really wonderful wisdom on how to enjoy a practical non-toxic lifestyle. 
so beautiful and then you also have a podcast that you're sharing all this knowledge with people and yeah practical non-toxic living is the name of the podcast and i just thought that conversations with some of the world's leading experts and uh, wellness pioneers will help make this all less scary and we always talk about practical tips at the end amazing we love it and how can we find you um, on Instagram or your website? Can you share that as well so that we can connect with you? You can find follow Ruan Living, R-U-A-N Living on Instagram and Facebook. We're more active on Instagram. And please visit my website, www.ruanliving, R-U-A-N Living.com and sign up for the newsletter. That's the best way to stay informed on the latest offerings, really so much. Um, The website lists so many, and we have special offers all the time and free workshops too. Amazing, I love it so much. And as we close out, can you share a, uh, a practice that you have to keep yourself mindful, grounded, centered, all of those things? I, my life has never felt more hectic than it does now with three kids and my oldest, a junior in high school. And, um, and so it's so simple. I just, I work really hard to try and take one minute to just be still and notice my breath. And, and that is shockingly hard to do every day. Um, and I try and when I wake up in the morning, think about what will make today great Mm -hmm. and when today can I do something for myself and it's I still have a hard time making that time before I know it the days passed and I'm too exhausted to do anything for myself so now I've started to put something in my calendar for me because I realized if it's not in my calendar it's probably not going to happen so even just putting in like five minutes at a certain time to just close my eyes and notice my breath and sensations it's huge no i love that tip i think you're you're so right on keel my husband like sometimes if he wants to like connect with me or do something he puts it on my calendar because otherwise we just you know we're going a mile and miles a minute and we don't take the time to just stop and breathe and i think just your one minute check in breathe put it on the calendar um it's such a great tip. Thank you so much. I really appreciate everything that you've shared with us today. And we'll definitely be checking out your podcast and all the other offerings that you have. Uh, just really appreciate you and all the things that you're doing. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it talking to you. Of course. You've been listening to the Holistic Interior Design Business Podcast. If it's one that you have been enjoying, please share with anyone else that you think can benefit from this knowledge and leave us a five-star review that helps us get seen and found by other new and aspiring interior designers. And if you're looking for mentorship, I invite you to join our club here at the Design Coven. It's a bridge between school and real life interior design. We get in much deeper there. We have virtual and in-person 
events. So everyone is welcome. You don't need to have a design degree to be part of it. Just an interest in holistic interior design. I also want to thank our editor, Marcy Ferry. And lastly, Kinseth Thibodeau, who is our music composer. Until next time, be well, and we will see each other soon.